to be here with you today. I am looking forward to God touching your lives as we open up his word. And you see, I'm from the old school, so I don't have notes up there. And, and I don't really have a big pulpit here with several shelves and a, a, a beverage holder over here. I, I, I don't have all that. And, uh, and, and I don't even have a, a, a place in front of me to make sure that my zipper is up. That's a panic of a preacher. And, uh, and I'm at an age now where you forget that, but I'm told in another 10 years, I'll forget to pull it down. So if you've worked in a nursing home, you know what I'm talking about. Um, so I, um, I, I, I want to tell you that one of my favorite portraits hanging on the wall of my office is, a, is one of Jesus laughing. Big head back, big smile on his face laughing. And I want to tell you that we have been given a sense of humor because we were created with that by our creator who has a sense of humor. And we just have to look around and we can see that humor sometimes. Um, anyway, I'm going to pray and then we're going to get into the word today. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for the privilege to know you and to serve you. And I pray, Lord, that as we gather together that you would just... Uh, allow me to be used of thee, Lord. Speak through me. May your Holy Spirit guide and direct our hearts towards your word. And Father, I pray that we would be challenged and given an opportunity, Lord, that before we leave, we make a decision here, Father, each and every one, no matter who we are, whatever we are, and however we are, Lord, I pray that we would be able to make a decision that would draw us closer to you. And again, Lord, I thank you for the privilege and the honor to know and to serve you. And ask again, Jesus, you bless those that even hear us uh, through the video presentation as well. Now, Lord, I pray this not to bring gain to, to our own lives, but Lord, that we might bring gain and honor to your life. For in that name of Jesus, we do pray this day. Amen. Amen. I, um, I told us we were rehearsing. Uh, by the way, the musicians get here about 7.30, so if you'd like to sing, come on down. We're here at 7.30 and uh, practice. And I was telling the musicians that I'm going to do a little bit of a Paul Harvey. How many remember Paul Harvey? Ever listen to him on the radio? Okay, majority of you. Do you remember his show called, or his uh, radio program called The Rest of the Story? And that was one of my favorites. Well, I'm going to give you a my rest of a story today. Um, some of you may not remember what it was like in 1959. Anybody here remember 1959? I'll tell you a picture that you'll remember that you have seen, even if you're only 15, maybe 20 years old today. Nikita Khrushchev with his shoe off at the United Nations, pounding the stand, saying, we will bury you. And he just saw that Russia was going to overcome us and become the great power. Um, well, in 1959, a music publisher spoke to one of his performers, and he said, give me something new. Quit singing protest songs. And you know, in 1959, there were people out there saying God is dead, and we had a new culture. They were called beatniks, which later evolved into the hippies, and who else knows what we are today. Uh, but Peter pulled out a slip of paper out of his pocket, and, and in a matter of 15 minutes, adjusted some of the lyrics out of that piece of paper. He wrote the song, and he sent it back, and a week later, he received a letter back from the publisher, the music publisher, saying, that's wonderful, that's just what I'm looking for. 
Peter then in 1962 sang that song in Greenwich Village. Anybody been to Greenwich Village? I used to get there quite a bit myself as a young man. And, um, and by the way, that song was recorded by several artists, including Judy Collins. Well, by the way, if you know the answer to this, just raise your hand. Don't shout it out. I want to see how many people recognize this. And uh, it was recorded. The song is notable for having several large sequences of Bible text relating to the changes of our lives, both good and bad. Anybody know it yet? Okay. Yeah, Austin's back there. Austin's probably older than me. I'm not sure. But you, could, you could poison my coffee later. All right. Both good and bad. It was recorded by a group of shaggy-haired Englishmen October 1st, 1965, in October. By December of that year, it had become a number one billboard hit. And uh, it, re it was released in 1965 during a very tumultuous time within our society. Some of you are old enough to remember some of what we were going through in 1965. We, we were sending troops for the first time uh, into Vietnam. We had a president that promised that we were gonna have a great society. We were gonna eliminate all problems of feeding the poor. We were gonna eliminate all welfare programs because we were having such a great, great democracy and, and everything was gonna be wonderful. And all these problems are gonna be solved at that time. And uh, we remember the marches and the picketing that was going on. Um, by the way, King Solomon's words were reorganized for the song purpose. The theme was resounded throughout the land and many of you may well remember a group called The Birds, B-Y-R-D-S. I see some nods going up, yep. And the name of the song uh, was called Turn, 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 from the book of Ecclesiastes, King Solomon. Once again, today, our nation is in such a tumultuous time. And, and I want to tell you, I had a good, a, a not good, a great time as a marketing expert. And one of the things that we often did in marketing to sell a product was create urgency. You ever watch a commercial and you see, buy it now, if you buy it now, we're gonna do this. Get it now before it runs out. We create urgency. I would like to instill with you today just a little sense of urgency because this nation is changing so rapidly. By the way, that was another uh, song of the 60s, uh, Bobby D uh, Dylan, uh, the times they are changing. So we have here Ecclesiastes, and, and this comes from the same man that in chapter one and verse, verse 90 says, there is nothing new. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. And uh, there's a season, turn, 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 and a time for every purpose under heaven. The words were from the book of Ecclesiastes where King Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. That which has been is and that which will be. 
which is done is that which will be done. So there's nothing new under the sun. Um, do you remember a man used to write an article? I don't know if we still have it in our newspaper. I don't get the newspaper anymore. Um, I'd find myself depressed if I read the news sometimes. Um, Cal Thomas. Familiar with Cal Thomas? Cal Thomas has written a book recently, a new book, and the name of the book is The American, America's Expiration Date, The Fall of Empires and Superpowers. Remember that nothing new under the sun. Uh, in that book, that new book, Cal Thomas draws parallels to history, uh, history that's proven the declines of great empires into total oblivion. Uh, the man that pounded his shoe, it wasn't many years later that many of you remember when the wall came down and Russia tumbled and completely changed the face of that nation. Um, he draws parallels in there to the declines of these empires. He says in his book, that our expiration hour, meeting our nation, the expiration date could be just around the corner. Uh, but he describes how we could escape that fate. And throughout the book, he references back to the nation that was founded on biblical principles. I want to say that again, biblical principles. It was said that this nation was great because we had an English language we had the common law, we had the English Bible, and we had a tradition of liberty. I would suggest to you that the law, the liberty, and the language could all have come from one source, the Bible. Um, nothing new under the sun. Cal Thomas says about 250 years these nations dropped down. Let me tell you about another writer about 233 years ago, a man by the name of Edward Gibbon spent 20 years of his life researching. And uh, he came back with a book that we know from school called The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire. I looked this up, and he gives five reasons why the Roman Empire uh, became uh, diminished into oblivion. Number one, the rapid increase of divorce, number one reason, which was the undermining of the sanctity and the dignity of the home, which is the basis of human society. This is the foundation, marriage, folks. We look at it today like it's a man-made social thing. This is something designed and ordained by God, and we have turned away from God's purpose and God's meaning of marriage. Number two, higher and higher taxes and the spending of public monies for free bread and circuses for the people. Uh, does that sound kind of like welfare a little bit? And, and I might just add this. I am not going to get into a political debate by any means and tell you what you should or how you should vote. I'm not going to tell you that. I do have a, a, a recommendation. In a few minutes, I'll give that to you. But on the subject of taxes, I am often intrigued, having been in business, by people that say, you're not going to pay the taxes. We're going to put it on the big business. GM's going to pay it. Ford's going to pay it. They're going to pay the taxes. Let me tell you, business 
doesn't pay taxes, people pay taxes. When they raise the tax on the business, the business raises the price of the car that you buy, you pay their tax anyway. How we get blinded by that? Well, I know how we got blinded. Number three, the mad craze, Gibbons writes, the mad craze for pleasure, sports becoming every year more exciting and more brutal. And we find the same thing. The game that we watched in 1960 is not the same game that we want to watch today. And, and we see the brutality moving up the scale. Um, how far are we away from maybe when we see we don't allow the man to win unless he draws blood from the other opponent? Uh, number, number four, the building of gigantic armaments, Gibbons writes, when the real enemy was within the decadence or the decadence, if you prefer, of the people. Our lives morally going down and we think that this is progressive. When our morality goes down, we think this is going up progressively. How wrong we are when it is contrary to biblical principles found in God's word. And we think that we're getting better when we do that. Uh, number five, Gibbons writes, the decay, one of the main reasons for the decline of the Roman Empire, the decay of religion, faith, fading into mere form. We show it on the outside, but on the inside, it's not the same. I remember a, um, a father and a son coming into an office one time for some counseling as a pastor, and, and the dad said to the son, he said, son, he said, sit down. And the son said, I'd just as soon stand. And the dad said, sit down. And he said, I'm gonna stand. And dad says, sit down or I'll knock you down. You knew that was coming. Right? And, and the boy sat down grudgingly and folded his arms. And I looked at him and I thought to myself, he's sitting on the outside, but he is standing on the inside. You know, he is, all right, Dad, I'll show this here, but deep inside, I am standing yet in my mind. Faith was fading into mere form, losing touch with real life and becoming unable impotent to warn and guide people. The presence of the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives tells us what is right and wrong, and we flaunt it. This nation has ignored God, and, and we're paying a penalty for it today. A magazine called The King's Business carried an article a few years back reporting the average age of the world's great civilizations has been approximately 200 years. These nations that they followed progressed through this sequence. They went from bondage, from bondage, slavery, to spiritual faith. They turned their eyes, remember the song, turn your eyes upon Jesus. From bondage to spiritual faith. Follow along closely on this. They went then from spiritual faith to great courage. What are you going to do, kill me? I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. You think... <laughs> I've said that before. Someone said, you know, I'll hurt you. You can't hurt me. I raised five teenagers. <laughs> I grew up in New Jersey. You can't hurt me. Um, we go from, from great courage to liberty. What a fantastic concept, freedom, outlined, given to us in the scriptures. 
From liberty, we come to abundance. I look back in our nation's history, and I see abundance coming about. And I think about the 50s. What a change after World War II. From abundance, we move, nations move to selfishness. You know, you know, I, I want to hang on to that a little. I really don't want to share with someone else. From selfishness, we move to complacency. Complacency, a sense of self-satisfaction. Uh, self-satisfaction, complacency prevents us from trying harder. It's, it's good enough, good enough. I am um, an individual, you know, I, I have a construction engineer background, and, and I remember an individual working for me, and I'd say, I need that pipe cut. I'd give him a measurement, and, and let's just say 27 and 3 eighths inches. And uh, he'd cut it somewhere around that, never make the right cut. And I'd say, is that 27 and 3 eighths inches? And he'd say, it's good enough. <laughs> good enough was his thought. A little complacency. Well, when things don't fit, they come apart. Complacency is not good in a nation either. From complacency, we move to apathy. Apathy. And from apathy, we move to dependency. We start depending on the government instead of on ourselves. And from dependency, you know where we move back to? Bondage. Get that? Bondage to spiritual faith, spiritual faith to great courage, great courage to liberty, liberty to abundance, abundance to selfishness, selfishness to complacency, complacency to apathy, apathy to dependency, from dependency back to bondage. Where's our nation at today in that sequence? Um, so here we come, Romans chapter 125. And I know I don't have the notes up there, but if you have your Bible, you can turn there. Send me an email if you want these scripture references. Paul? I'm sorry? Uh, yeah, chapter 1, picking up at, well, let's pick it up at verse 21. Here is the indictment that God has. That's a legal term. I get that from my son. And not only is he's a great uh, son and a good lawyer, um, but I, I am truly blessed because he and his brother and, and some other members of the family have provided Pam and I with all the firewood that we need for the year. And it came just before the rain came in today. And so I'm so, so very grateful for the family God has blessed me with. In chapter 1, Romans tw verse 21, we pick up, for although they knew God, this is our nation right here. Although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. If there was one problem in the United States that exists today that is prevalent today amongst all others from a spiritual realm, it's we are ungrateful to God. And you know what? I think that really has affected the church as well. We don't recognize that what we have has been given us all good gifts come from God. If we were to reflect on that in the morning before we turned on the news, we took a few minutes to pray. All gifts come from God. 
For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of their mortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. You know what? Our nation has turned to gods. I was in a business this week, and as I was talking to the gal that was going to schedule some, some uh, appointment for me, she was going through her phone, and I'm looking, standing sideways, and she's going through Facebook, and, and she says, I have to see what's happening to the country. I'm so upset by what's going on with the country. And, uh, and, and she was almost addicted to having to do this as she was trying to talk. And I thought, man, oh man, are we caught up? Has this become a god in our society? Twitter, Facebook, uh, texting. Uh, I'm from the old school. People say, did you get my text? And I thought, well, not until the end of the week when I look at all of them. Yeah. <laughs> if you're trying to get a hold of me, call me. Wasn't there a commercial like that? Call me, you know? Talk to me on the phone. I get a text. And I don't answer the text because I see that little telephone signal and I push that button, I could talk to you. And if, if you don't answer the phone, I'm going to leave you a message. And uh, for those of you that aren't that computer happy with the computer, um, that's what we do. Romans chapter 1, as we pick up at verse 21, we move on down. Uh, verse 24, therefore God gave them over to sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. This is one of the major concepts we see with the decline of every great civilization. Morality goes down. Morality goes down. What we would never have even discussed in the past is practiced publicly. We don't have a stand of biblical principles in our lives today as we see these things change. Recently, Netflix produced a movie, and I'm so grateful for the people in the state of Texas that have decided to take them to task. The movie was called Cuties, and, and I hope you didn't buy it. Um, and, and it's the exploitation of little girls, and it's become popular. They're gonna try to sell this thing. And, and I hope somebody, somebody ends up going to jail over it, really. Um, verse 28 of the same chapter. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. In other words, God says, you want to live that lifestyle? I'll let you live that lifestyle. But what happens as we start accumulating God's wrath. Chapter 2 and verse 5. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself. For the day of God's wrath, when his righteous judgment will be revealed, God will give to each person according to what he has done. Um, Tuesday night, I will be teaching a series on natural laws of gardening, if you would, of harvesting. Uh, by the way, I went to Rutgers and I had to take a course in horticulture and uh, years ago. And, and I loved it because I, I grew up in the inner city, moved out to a suburban community. And I love the fact that we had grass and shrubs and flowers. And so anyway, studying horticulture, um, 
I'm going to be teaching a course on Tuesday night on seven laws relating to reaping and sowing. We think, you know, God's not mocked. Uh, whatever a man sows, he's going to reap. Well, there are seven specific natural laws re relating to that. So I'll give you more of that through the week. If you do want to join us on Tuesday night, let Marilyn know so she knows how much pizza to buy and fill you up with. So, so here we have, to those who by persistence and doing good will seek glory and honor and immortality, he'll give eternal life. Here's the people that make God first, the priority in their lives. But for those who are self-seeking, uh, that's complacency, and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. Um, it's coming, folks. It's coming. I saw a neat bumper sticker. It says, Jesus is coming again in the big letters and underneath, and he doesn't look very happy about it. I believe Jesus is one that's going to give us a chance to turn our lives around. Uh, John 3.17, God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The gift of eternal life given to us. Ephesians chapter 2, if I did nothing but speak to you on Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10, for by grace are you saved, not that of yourselves. Can I just tell you that it's 100% the work of God. You're going to heaven has nothing to do with your merit or your works. If you did, pride would easily enter in and say, I did my 2% or my 5% or 10%, it's 0% on our part, 100% on God's part. He sees us as righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ. All we have to do is by faith trust what Jesus did at the cross for us. Why is that so hard for people to comprehend? Because out of pride, we want to do it on our own. I could show you that I could be good. That's temporal. Just, just kind of a temporary thing. I got to move on down here. I was going to take my watch off and put it up there, but I knew it'd slide down. I, I remember a boy that was a uh, his dad was a pastor, and he invited a friend from school to go to church, and the pastor saw I speak and took his watch off and set it up there. And the visitor said, "What's that mean?" And the pastor's son said, "Absolutely nothing." <laughs> yeah, I I want to move you across here. Um, Salvation, 100% of God's work. God's asking you to receive something for which you have extended no labor, no merit, no work of your own. Um, liberty, language, and law could all have come from the Bible. Uh, I thought about this. I like history, and I look back at the people that came to this nation for the main purpose, freedom of religion. And we have a government now that's trying to stifle that. Uh, by the way, we have plenty of room and still be able to sit six feet apart from people here. So encourage your friends and neighbors to join us. Um, did man bring the Bible to this country? Or when you think about it, did the Bible bring man to this country? Um, what's happening to our cities today? Uh, I understand that a young man looking at a school in Seattle or a school in, in uh, Florida. And I thought, why would I ever send one of my children out to Seattle today? You know, what's happening in our cities today? 
Answers found in chapter 2, and again, uh, verse 5 of chapter 2, they're, they're building up wrath, storing up wrath against themselves for the day of God's wrath and his judgment. Uh, it happens slowly. I, um, I looked this up. You've heard the story of the frog in the boiling water. The experiment that was done at the university raised the temperature of the water that the frog sat in by 0.017, at 17 thousandths of a degree per second. It comes to a little over one degree, 1.02 degrees of increase of temperature uh, per minute. And it was slow, and the frog did not notice the change and ultimately died in the boiling water. And today, I believe Satan has used the same slow approach to the United States of America. Tonight, I'll go a little further into depth of this message. And Benjamin Franklin, who did not consider himself a very religious man, in fact, his life demonstrated that in many areas, uh, is the one that when they were trying to decide how to create the Electoral College so that the populated states cannot overwhelm the smaller states, is the one that said we need to call upon God. He wanted the, the pastors in that area to come in and lead in prayer with the founders. How far we have gotten away from that in our, uh, in our nation today. Uh, anyhow, today we're reaping the results of a nation that's forgotten God. Uh, Proverbs 14, verse 34, uh, is just as relevant today as it was when it was written, written. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin condemns any people. Our song, instead of turn, 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 should be pray, pray, pray. Um, the birds, Pete Seeger, by the way, was the artist. Uh, at the end of the song, he writes, a time for love and a time for hate, a time for peace. I swear it's not too late. This was the gist of Cal Thomas's book, and this is what I'm telling you today. With an upcoming election, I'm not telling you who to vote for. I'm telling you to pray for the election. Pray that God's will be done, that we could see this nation go through what we knew in the past as a spiritual revival. What a change that would be. How refreshing that would be. How blessed this nation will become. You think you see prosperity today, you turn it over to God's hand, the author of all prosperity. And I guarantee that you'll know that you made a good decision to honor God. So in marketing, I worked for a company out of California that when I went into the home, I trained salesmen, by the way, and it was one of my most fun jobs that I had to take that young salesman into a home and teach him, we have one shot when we go into that home tonight. They are either going to say yes or no, and we would go into that home, and I would try to get them to see the value in what we had to offer. And I used to practice on Pam. She'll tell you how tired she was. And we had many, many tools that we would use, um, many demonstrations uh, that we would use. 
and I would try to get people to give me all the reasons that they don't want this product, whether it was a remodel of the kitchen or remodel of the porch or deck, whatever, side windows, anything. I sold home improvement, and I would get all the objections I could, and I'd ask for those objections, and I'd say finally, as I narrow it down, aside from the money, aside from the money, by the way, all objections, all objections come down to money. Because I'd finally say to the people, if I could do this for nothing, would you be interested? Oh yeah, I'd love to have it then, you know? So all objections come down to money. Well, I would try to get them to give me every objection they had so that when they finally said yes, they felt really good about saying yes. Before you leave here today, my brothers and sisters, I'm asking you, would you take the time before you do anything else in the morning, would you take the time to pray and say, God, I want to hold this nation up before you this day. Give me wisdom in what I do and say that honors you and makes you number one in my life. I'm going to ask you to make that decision. Lord Jesus, dismiss us with your blessing, Lord. We may go with a courage, Lord, because of our spiritual dependency on thee. Bless each and every person, Lord, that's raised a hand to be committed to speaking to you before anything else in the morning. May we begin there, Lord, and may we see this nation come about to a revival. We pray it in the power of the name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.